For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This call is being recorded. You are being recorded. No, I, well, I am being recorded, uh, as is my cohort. This is Bradshaw to Ben, and you're listening to the SteelerFury.com podcast, uh, season nine, episode 16, I think this is. Uh, we've been at this a while um, and still can't quite figure it out, so we keep trying. With me, as always, to try to figure it out is my cohort, FC. He's here. How are you, sir? I'm trying to figure it out. We're screwed. <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we're all trying to figure it out, and we're all screwed. That's probably closer to the truth. Um, we are your Sherpa guides through Steeler football. <laughs> there you go. Are we doing that much heavy lifting? No. The Sherpas do all the work, man. They are the offensive linemen of uh, of mountaineering. I, okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, your, your Pittsburgh Steelers sitting at seven and five after a victory over the New York Giants. Um, do we think the New York Giants uh, are better or worse than you thought they were before we played them? They were about what I expected, you know, and that's not me talking too much shit. Um, I figured. One of the things I said on a, on the podcast is, uh, I bet you the Steelers try to get in Odell Beckham Jr.'s head, and well, they they try to get in Odell Beckham Jr.'s head. Um, the Steelers' pass rush was a little bit better than I expected. Uh, the Giants, you know, uh, they keep Eli upright. I understand a lot of that comes from the quick passing game, but they do they did a pretty good job of keeping you know Eli Manning upright. Um, when Hargreaves went down in the first quarter with the concussion, I thought that we might be in more trouble than we actually were. I mean, uh, the Steelers, I was impressed with uh, the Steelers more than I would say that I was surprised or disappointed by the Giants. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I would just say, say they succeeded in getting into Odell Beckham's head. He's still talking about it. He was talking about it two days after the game, so... I think we succeeded in that respect. Um, did did you think it? Did you think he had a point? Because I, you know, I try to be when it's my team involved. I try to be objective about things. I didn't really see anything that was a horrendous call that went the wrong way in that game. I thought I they think Odell Beckham Jr. should watch and see what Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown at times, T.Y. Hilton have to put up with. I mean, it's just Odell Beckham Jr. acts like he's the only receiver that has to put up with the bump and the grind and stuff like that, and it's completely false. Whenever the flag came out for Odell Beckham Jr. on offensive pass interference, I admit um, I got caught off guard. I expected the game to be on TV. I ended up watching a computer feed, pretty good computer feed. But I screamed at the top of my lungs. That's fucking offensive pass interference. He's, you know, he's going with the armbar. And I was shocked whenever 
it was called offensive. Um, but, you know, it, the, Odell Beckham Jr. still had 10 catches. I believe he had 100 yards on the dot. The, the, the thing the Steelers did is they, every time, he, he really didn't have too many free plays. If he caught the ball, he was taking a shot. He was getting pushed outside. He was getting jabbered at. You know, he was, you know, if, if he was going to make a play, he was going to make a play. He was going to earn it. Um, I think that he needs somewhat of a reality check in a way because other receivers, I believe, are battered far more than he is. And you don't really hear of Julio Jones bitching. You don't hear about Mike Evans bitching. T.Y. Hilton, you hear bitch about his money. But, you know, those guys, they understand that complaining and drawing the wrath in the ire of other referees via the media may not be the best idea. I think that Odell Beckham's best course of action would be shut the fuck up and play football. It's the same thing I tell Antonio Brown. Shut up, play football. That's, that's the only thing that you can do, regardless of what a referee says he's a human being. And if you hear you know, Odell Beckham Jr. going after other referees and things, you just have, you know, I'm not giving them a call. It's in the back of your mind. You may not admit it. It's just, it's, you know, subconscious. It's just, you're going to do it. It's like Josh Norman, since he called out that referee in London, has had 11 penalties called on him. I've tracked it. 11 <laughs> penalties in four weeks. Yeah. Hey, you're just not going to win that battle, right? It's one of you're those. You're not. You're not. I mean, in, in an embarrassing guy, you know, via the media, because, you know, whenever you call out that referee's number, People are going to go look them up, and I mean, you don't try to embarrass somebody, especially whenever that person got pretty much carte blanche authority to mess with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I didn't think you were on the line of scrimmage, five yards off, and I—it's just—it's become you know just an, an it's not black and white with with the lining up because they've changed the rules to now where the tackle has to be lined up on the waistline of the guard, and that's. Yeah, that's not concrete. You know, you could say, hey, I got a real fat offensive guard there. That old waistline's hanging far back, you know? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a definitely a little more arbitrary. One thing I have noticed it, uh, that I, I don't know if it started last year or this year, but they are um, warning offensive linemen and receivers when they're, in, in, you know, when they're going to call illegal formation, they give them a chance to adjust, which is new. They weren't doing that. Uh, so it does seem to have the number of those kind of penalties have come down, but the, how arbitrary it is, is, is fairly arbitrary. You know, you have to be lined up, it's, it's objective. It's, you have to be lined up off the guard's waist for the offensive tackle. For the wide receivers, I don't think there's any excuse. You look out to the side judge and you say, hey, am I legal? Hey, am I on the line of scrimmage or am I off the line of scrimmage? If they say you're good, you're good. I mean, right. I understand that a multi-wide receiver sets, you can't do that. But And I think it's cool that the referees are actually giving one warning because it is difficult at times. And sure. I've seen the penalty flag throw, you know, on the Steelers where I've gone back rewind and I said, no, eh, that's back hall. And I pointed out, hey, you know, the, the, the slot back, it was actually a penalty on Xavier Grimble that, that stood out to me. And uh, the NFL very quietly, you know, gave the Steelers a little apology for it. It was on Steelers.com where they were, they were legally aligned and there was a flag thrown. It's it needs to be concrete. The NFL is such a big dollar business. You know, you're up to fifty billion dollars a year. 
you got to have concrete rules. Yeah, and I think you, just in general, the more concrete the rules are, it's the same with, I mean, I used to say when I was officiating that it's like being a policeman. You know, you someone else makes all the rules, uh, and then there's a layer on top of what the actual rules are as to what co- common sense enforcement of those rules is, which things are more important to watch out for, which things are harder to tell. And the, the worst stuff is the stuff that involves, you know, your your judgment almost totally. Um, you right. know, when you don't have a real good guidance for a hard and fast what a rule is, then it tends to, you know, it can get out of control one way or the other. They're, they can not call a lot of stuff or they can call a lot of st- more than you would like, et cetera. I, I argue that the more arbitrary one right now is defense lining up offside. When you hear not, not a guy jumped into the neutral zone, but a guy was lined, they say, you know, lined up in the neutral zone for a defender. Um, I challenge you to look. They, they have that line drawn right across the field. How many times, how many plays you see a defender lined up in that line doesn't get called. And then, you know, arbitrarily once in a while, you'll see a guy get called in some cases for, for doing nothing different than players do on every play of the game. So that, that to me is another one that, you know, you'd have to have a protractor to be a hundred percent sure that you're lined up. Right. Right. But, laser uh, line. Right. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so I have a question for you. Did Victor sure. Cruz play in this game? Cause I, I'll tell you what. Willie Gay. Yeah, I mean it's like you know they hit Willie Gay had some problems with Sterling Shepard, a uh, l- little bit too quick for Willie Gay I think at this stage of his career. But but wow, uh, in general the other you know the the, the they they contained Odell Beckham, and the other guys you know didn't really make very many plays. A couple catches for Will Ty, a couple catches for the running back, but that was about it. I thought that was the most amazing part to me about this game. Steelers. Um, I- they found something with Sean Davis. I'm going to let that be known. I've been hitting at it. I hate the I hated the face mask penalty against the Cowboys. Um, I'll get over it. You know, they found something. I like Artie Burns. I know you're a fan of Artie Burns, as am I. I I there's Sean Davis has a certain thing to him that a lot of times you see that a lot of players don't have. Um, I like the things that that Sean Davis has. Those intangibles where he seems to be in the right place at the right time to make plays. Well, he's um, not, a, he's not afraid to make a play. That's the thing I like about him. Sure. I mean, he has a confidence about his ability that I think that has been ground out in Buffalo and in Pittsburgh of Ross Cockrell. And that's a perfect example. Ross Cockrell always looks a little timid to me now. And mm-hmm. I don't like that. I mean, he's, he, I, 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 someone needs this to point out to Ross Cockrell. Hey, we're a seven-five team. You're a major part of this team. Don't be fucking afraid. And I don't. And, I mean, if you get trucked, guess what? You got Mike Mitchell behind you. You got Sean Davis behind you. You know your team. Ryan Shazier and Lawrence Timmons are chasing the ball. Just go up there and be aggressive. Try to make a play. But that's a, that's another thing. Um, Ryan Shazier has been solid in coverage too. He's getting to those drops. I like the hammer on him. I do. But he's eating up space with that speed. And he covers we, grounds. Lawrence Timmons with an incredible interception. I mean, Chazier, you know, Chazier, other guys. I want to talk about the Timmons interception and let you continue, but just quickly on that, I don't even think Shazier can run right now. He's still he's wearing a knee brace, and that uh, that I know Ezekiel Elliott is fast and all, but in the Dallas game, you know Shazier was losing ground to him in a way that when he's running right, he doesn't. You know, they run about the same speed. So yeah, he's uh, pretty fast too. Yeah, I I. I and, and you, you got to remember, Shazir, what was that, two weeks off the MCL? I'm, I'm not, trust me, I'm generally the last person in the world to be 
Ryan Shazier apologizes. I understand what you're saying. He's covering that ground injured. Now, imagine whenever he's healthy, if the yep. light's starting to go on, how much more he's going to be able to cover. I got you. But, you know, we got to talk about what where we're at right now. You know, sure. and where we're at right now is I we're on the upswing. And I know that uh, they're selling you. They they sold you. You know, you're, they're going on the road. They're going to screw you again this week. I don't think so. I really don't. The reason I don't is the, the Steelers' defense. A lot of the big part of the problems is they weren't playing as a unit. And what I see now is you know a fist. I see a, you know eleven guys coming together, and it's a big fist. And that's that's the 2008 Steelers defense that a lot of people remember fondly, and they should. You know. I, they weren't the most athletically gifted group. You know, a Troy Polamalu, fantastic. And you had a young Lawrence Timmons, and I understand that. But Ryan Clark was a 4'8", 4'9 guy. Ike Taylor was Ike Taylor. You know, and I love that defense. It's, you know, I just, I could, I'm not going to say the Steelers defense this year is going to be as good as 2008, because statistically it's not going to be. But, you know, whenever you're building, and that's what, the, the defense is doing at, at the rate we're going now I'm going to have more faith in the Steelers defense than I am in the Steelers offense without Cam Hayward and that's ridiculous but it seems like the defense has found a rallying cry and a sense of pride and you know nine points they should have given up you know nine or ten to the Giants last week you take away that garbage touchdown you got, that's what a four or five straight games with nine or less points given up, or something around around that, or maybe yeah. the Cowboys. No, they're just, I mean, they're, they're, getting, they're getting better. I mean, that's the thing that you like to see this time of year, and you know, Back, you, post, you had it as up, turnovers are up, time of possession yeah. for the other team's offense is down. Those are three metrics you got. Those are the big ones. Sure, and the the thing is, this the offense and defense for the Steelers. They're the only team in the league right now who has a top ten offense and a top ten defense. I think it's it's and, crazy how bad some of the and, and when you look at are, how top heavy the Steelers schedule was to, to at yeah. this point of the year, meaning that you know, regardless, they played a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, you you have to take care of the business down the stretch. And I I mean I I even think as you know saying that all the stuff you just said, that they're on the upswing, the defense seems to have figured it out a little bit, and they're going to not disappoint us in Buffalo. I still think Buffalo could score some points in this game, even even if the Steelers are, you know, play up to their abilities and play well. Um, it's not a pushover team. Um, they they I agree. The bu- Buffalo got some horrible news this morning, though. I don't know if you're aware of it. So No. Cordy Glenn's back is fucked. If Cordy Glenn can't go this week, Buffalo is in big trouble. They don't. That's the type of injury they couldn't hold, in my sure. opinion. I mean, I was just going to say though that as bad as their pass offense is, it's you know it's kind of pass offense that is really predicated on rollouts and uh, you know little little pass plays to move the chains and uh, play action off of their their run game is only, you know, mediocre. But the run game has been really good for them, and they have put up points with it. I mean, they have. They scored 25 against Tim Watkins back. Yeah, I mean, they, the problem is that, yeah, you're, you're right. There's a couple of issues. Sammy Watkins, less than 100%. And uh, Cordy Glenn, if he's – Goodwin, who yeah. is probably as fast as anyone that's ever played in the NFL. You know, yeah. They, they, they got, Charles Clay's been injured. You know, they, they, 
Buffalo is not a, a this is I was going to say I think if the Sewers win this game um I won't be shocked if they win out and you're going to be right um, to the playoffs and <laughs> there's some people that might be in big trouble. Well, there's still tricky matchups remaining. I mean, that's the thing. Okay. This team you Cleveland's could never... not a tricky matchup. Cincinnati is really not a tricky matchup. If they lose to Baltimore, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. I don't know. I I'm, I'm not coming around on Baltimore. I kind of think Baltimore now is the biggest threat that they face the rest of the year because I think the Bills this week actually are a bigger threat than Baltimore, and I can well, I least... can tell you why. Steelers are going to have to play Mother Nature. You know the the weather. We <laughs> anybody that tells you, I Donnie Brasco, great poster at our board say it the best they can say 15 or 20 mile per hour winds inside the stadium those winds can be like 45 or 50 miles per hour because it's a freaking like cyclone ball where wind mm-hmm. gets trapped he's a hundred percent right on that and i and, and anybody like that you're looking for the the weather the, you're not gonna be able to judge wind conditions tyrod taylor throws a great freaking ball because he has Buku arm strength, and he can throw the ball with velocity. Something I'm not, not saying very accurate. He can. <laughs> you know, he can cut the ball through the wind. And the second thing is, I mean, and one of the big things is the Steelers have not played a decent road game yet this year. Uh, That's I, beg, fear I beg to differ. They played really what, well. What, what, what game on the road did we play? It was Indianapolis. Oh, come on. No Andrew Luck. <laughs> okay. okay, I'll give you the Colts. I'll give you the Colts. I mean, the Steelers have been a phenomenal. Uh, how about how about Was- how about Washington? Yeah, that's that's a fair point. That's your <laughs> one because I'm looking right now. That's the one. But wasn't that the opening week of the year uh, season? Yeah. yeah so you know, this is this is a, a big. This is your Steelers season. The Steelers win this game. They're going to go into Cleveland and win. Um, that's not me being arrogant. And then. That leaves Baltimore and Cincinnati. Steelers beat Baltimore. I think they go into Week 17 with the division lockdown. Intent. Well, well, the thing is, well, well we're going to get to that in our around the league yes, segment. Sir. But big test for Baltimore this week. That sort of dictates how the rest of this might play out for the Steelers. But you know, I think if if Baltimore loses to New England, then there's a good chance you're right that that Steelers take care of business in Week 17 is is, uh, you know, a, a week they can rest its thing by for them. If Baltimore wins against New England, um, I think that puts probably, you know, the loser of uh, Steelers-Baltimore might be in a position to be that number six seed. But the thing is, even if you beat Baltimore, they're likely to be the number six seed and come right back to Heinz Field in the first week of the playoffs. I mean, that's kind of a nightmare situation. I'm not sure that's I kind of think that one – I think three teams out of the West are going to – Eat up the wild card. I really do. Uh, have you have you seen Denver's remaining schedule? <laughs> like, okay, first of all, Os, uh, what's his not Osweiler? Uh, Trevor Simeon is hurt, and yeah. the other guy hasn't won a game yet. He's he's zero and two, and yeah, and failed in his third you know third game that he played and didn't play very well. I thought didn't he start the last week and didn't they win against uh, Jacksonville? Yes. Oh well, Paxton Lynch. Yeah, maybe he yeah, did. He's so he won and he's one and two yeah. uh, as a starter. But the thing is. They play uh, Kansas City, Oakland, and New England. Those are three of their games. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so the me, chances. I watched, did you see awesome. the Kansas City Atlanta game? <laughs> yeah, crazy finish. Oh man, Kansas City's a fraud. Oh, they are fraud. 
Well, they have they have really are man. They sixty-five yard big punt for a touchdown. Yeah, another defensive touchdown, and then that two-point conversion pick off the win. Don't get me wrong, I don't trust Atlanta at all, but oh, Kansas City walks with Jesus. How is Branson, Missouri? How is how is Tyreek Hill in the NFL in the era of uh, you know where where uh, Ray Rice and uh, and other he cats of that ilk has a special way of hiding his watermelon sized balls because he's tiny. Yeah, he's but I mean, un- oh, have you? Let me on the field. Um, no, no, listen. On the field, I think he's fantastic. What I'm saying is, right. isn't he the guy that punched his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach? Yeah. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm just saying, this is a league where... did shoot that helicopter. (laughs) He said, if you're fast enough and good enough, it doesn't matter. Gotcha. If you're the kicker for the Giants, you're gone forever, though. Right. All right, enough about that. Um, uh, Just a couple of Steelers uh, questions on the offensive side of the football. Um, Do you... Are you like me? I don't. I'm going to say something. So you can say true or false. I I don't think Ladarius Green is nearly 100. percent True. Yeah, I mean the thing is he he's he's had some amazing results in the limited period of time for a guy who doesn't even look like he's running right. That's crazy. Oh, I agree. Um, what I was kind of getting at here was the stuff other than Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, part of this offense. You know what do you what do you think? happens in this last you know like you turned the three-quarter pole and we're heading down the home stretch now with this team have we really sorted out anything about i mean is it going to be is green now de facto the the next receiving option down the list is is he the guy that kind of makes it all click down the stretch i think so i'm not certain though you know it's it, i don't see the options you know other than ladarius green you know you got ab and you got bell and I don't trust Simi Coates. I don't trust any any of them. I, I don't trust Hamilton. So it's going to have to be Ladarius Green. Yeah, it's like the – Jesse James, hey, I mean, if that's what we got, that's what we got. Right. Those guys are all going to get used. Eli Rogers and Jesse James and Kobe Hamilton and Sammy Coates are all going to get used, and they'll get shots, David Johnson, but they're not, they're not going right now going to be that really dependable weapon – where they're going to get a lot of looks on third on third down because, you know, to me it's the trust factor, and I think you I think you can see your quarterback tries to spread it around and give guys opportunities, but when it's crunch time and they really need a play and they're trying to sustain a drive, he's not looking at those guys. You know, I mean, maybe if if, if, if Rogers might be the one exception, he gives Rogers a little bit more of a look on that third down thing, but uh, you know, it just feels like the dependability factor. He's still going to try to lock on to Antonio Brown. And that to me is a, you know, that's a weakness. That's something that, you know, you got to have another option there. That, that So the defense knows you have another option, that they're not just going to send three guys to Antonio Brown when it's third down and eight. Of course, with our, I mean, with our offensive coordinator, we'll call a screenplay on, on third and 18 anyway. So what's the difference? Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I, I like to hammer Todd Haley. But he really is sort of limited with what we we have. And Antonio Brown is such a special talent. You know, you, it's it's even hard to use him as a decoy because the other options, Eli Rogers, 
is the guy that you would hope and pray that would step up. It's just not happening, you know. And well, he's still, he's still a rookie. Like the the some of the route adjustments, adjusting to the sure. ball, and the route adjustments for guys like Eli Rogers and Sammy Coates probably going to get better as their careers go on. But it's not a strength for either one of them right now. So no. you know, when they're when they're free. They're, you know, they're op- they're open. They get a chance to catch the ball. They they do pretty well for you when they have to kind of fight for it or adjust a little bit to try to make a play easier for themselves. They don't always have that in their in their arsenal. That's the way I, I see it. Um, they're not Anquan Bolden who can make himself open right. when he's not open. But what that leads you to believe is Todd Haley's got to design and call winners. You know yeah. where you don't have necessarily don't have the site or route adjustment and i know that kind of sort of limits what you can do but if that's what you have to do with those two players you give them strict routes and have them running and you got to call a winner it i mean it's like telling a story it's it's the way i describe <laughs> play calling it's if your story's good enough you can trick anyone i've seen donnie shell i've seen ronnie lott be tricked i've seen the greats paul Krause, troy palomalu you can trick them. You just got to, you got to, the story's got to be good. You know, I was going to give, uh, I did actually on the boards, gave Haley credit for, um, you know, calling that, uh, the, what ended up being the touchdown pass to Ladarius Green. That was a screen look, fake screen. And then. Right. Um, How many times are we going to be able to run that? How many more weeks in a row before it's just, you got to show <laughs> something else off of it. That's right. Third or fourth week. It's a winner. I like it. Don't yeah. So here's, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ben called it at the line. Which, first of all, having watched the game film, uh, I'm I still can't figure out what hand signal it was that he gave. Apparently, he gave Ladarius Green a hand signal, but having watched the whole sequence of the signals that he was given at the line, I couldn't tell you what it was, and I I watched it That's over and over. Thing. That's a good thing. Then that yep. keeps pro, that other teams off of our you know audibles and, and stuff like that. I don't want Ben telling anybody they gave a hand signal or something like that. I don't. No, no, but our it means- is already so limited. You yeah, know, but, but, if we had Martavius Bryant, do you think that we would be a way, way better offense? It's night and day. Oh, my God. Do you night think that day. we would even be worried about playoffs? No, I think this team yeah. – this would, No, this would be I, I, I guarantee you we have two or three more wins. Yeah, so it's the number one offense in the league with, with Martavius right. Bryant. Everything so else is – being light, you know, that means we're sitting right now at, what, nine and three? Yeah, something – well, don't um, smoke pot, boys and girls, if you're going to play in the NFL. No, most but if definitely you have no not. dreams of playing in the NFL, smoking pot is perfectly fine. At least uh, my side. <laughs> we're going to we're going to take a call in a second, but just quickly, you know, one of the criticisms criticisms of the Giants is that their head coach, who is the former offensive coordinator, uh, that they they run like 95 percent of the same formation and they run the same plays over and over again. They have the most limited playbook apparently in the NFL right now. And it, it's worked for them in a lot of games. They won, they had that long winning streak. But I was thinking about how that applies to the Steelers um, because I think the Steelers are right there. I think that's a, you know, whether it's good or bad, you can debate. It feels like the Steelers have a very small playbook. Um, and, you know, maybe that's uh, by design, I guess. Possibly. If you run 20 plays, but you run those 20 plays really, really, really well, you're on to something. And let me put it this way. Air raid offense. Both you and I love it. Mike Leach came up with it. 
three note cards can play yeah. the entire offense. Yeah, pretty simple. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's as sophisticated as sophisticated gets. You want to talk about route adjustments and, and stuff like that. But, yeah. So. I just feel like you have to have both. You know, you have to have basic stuff that you can run over and over again, that you could run it if a dog were chewing off your leg and all that stuff. Sure. But then you have to have, in addition to that, this is why I always talk about the whiteboard, the, the, the equivalent of the NBA coach with the whiteboard. Most of the game, he said, he, you know, they, they teach an offense in the offseason in practice, and the players do it over and over again, and they kind of run with the same rules, and they improvise and, and work within the system to do whatever it is they do. That's great. But then, you know, when you, you call timeout in the, in the you know, fourth quarter, when you, when you need a point, you need a, you know, you have an inbounds play where you want to try to get a, an easy basket, the great ones sit at the chalkboard and they, they drop a little play for you. And I think that's, that's the thing. You have to have both those elements. You have to have somebody that can, can let, let the talent roam freely and work to its advantage most of the time. And then once in a while, draw up something like when things aren't working perfectly or when you need a play to draw up something that, that makes it easy. You know, like you, you don't get to do that for every play. You can't fool a defense every play, but you can maneuver them into doing what you want them to do for a play or two over the course of a game. And sometimes that's the difference in the game and the difference in scoring a touchdown compared to a field goal or the difference between getting a first down and punting. Um, you know, I feel like that's the thing I'm still, um, still waiting to see and get to get a sense like those, you know, this third and, and medium, what I would call third and medium plays third and six, third and seven, third and eight. Those are the ones where I keep waiting to see something that looks like, you know, an easy, an easy uh, open guy that doesn't require the guy to run through an army of defenders to get a first down a third and two uh, or third and three short play, you know, that something other than the pick play that we see all the time or wide receiver screen, um, you know, just trying to get once in a while, something available to you that's different that you feel good about doing that, that you've seen the other team tendencies on tape and so on. And that's a little bit missing, by the way, just going to Kobe, Kobe Hamilton out of uh, trips formation where Hamilton was the middle receiver was probably, I thought, Todd Haley's high mark because it's a formation that he probably runs four, six times a game, tops. Mm -hmm. And uh, his route progressions, he really, really loves to run the shallow crosser with Eli Rogers. A A B coming being the single set off wide receiver outside the bunch, and uh, to to confuse, he what he did is uh, he basically had Hamilton who was the inside receiver, which I thought was brilliant because of size. He had Eli Rogers run a you know a go, um, the other receiver ran a basic smoke route, and it was just a complete brilliant call where you put you know a nickel corner in a spot where you go with the vertical route. Or do you pass them off and you think strong safety or, yeah, strong safety landing cons can come over and, you know, cover Kobe Hamilton before you can get the first down yardage? It was basically Haley was saying, okay, you're going to either give me the first down or I'm going to try to score a touchdown. And we don't see enough of that. But I completely agree with you with uh, the base offense where you got to have your core concepts where you have 35 to 40 plays that you're going to run every game, but you would like to see the availability of maybe 15 or 20 plays, you know, available for a particular defense, for a particular scheme, for a particular weather condition, even on offense. Yeah. You know, um, I, the, I think that Todd Haley tried to open up a little bit more last week than he has 
recently you had the Le'Veon Bell attempt at pass where he just didn't <laughs> throw the ball. You know, I, it's not necessarily the greatest thing, but you know, it's showing you know you know concepts something that's different because come playoff time, you know, you figure it's a race to 24 and above. If I get 24 more points in the playoff in a playoff game or even Baltimore coming up next during two weeks is going to be like a playoff game. If the Steelers hang 24 points and they don't win, I'm going to blame defense special teams or Ben for throwing or interceptions because Le'Veon Bell knock on wood doesn't fumble. Um, Knocking right now. Um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say about that? Uh, oh, the Giants apparently are running 20 plays as their base offense. 20, 2 0. That's light. Yeah. That's, that's, I have more on Madden. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, anyway, um, just to, you know, food for thought. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, actually, with all the variations on plays from the same play that the Steelers run, I'm, I'm not even sure they run more than that, to be honest with you. Because a lot of the a lot of the stuff that looks different is the same play call, right? And it's just option sure, round, different window dressing. Absolutely. Anyway, um, you, okay, you, so you can you you can run you know the same play out of five or six different looks. You can run you know a hail mary out of the true power eye. It's just you're gonna have three tight ends running vertical routes and right. maybe a running back running a, a, a wheel go. So, yeah, may or not, may or may not work very well, right? Um, hey, uh, is Ramon Foster having an All-Pro season? I think he's just having as good of a season this year as Marcus Gilbert had last year at right tackle. So, if you, yeah. I thought that Marcus Gilbert should have been the starting Pro Bowl right tackle, first team All-Pro right tackle. The reason I'm not saying he's better than necessary every left tackle in the NFL, but right. for his position, which is right tackle, I don't think there was anyone better last year. I have a hard time saying Ramon Foster's the best left guard in the NFL because I value left guards. I think it's every bit as important as center, maybe and less important than left tackle, and as maybe a little bit more important than right tackle. The way the NFL game's going, um, I think the two left guard, best left guards in the NFL face off are playing this week. How about that against each other? Is it? Uh... Uh, Richie Incognito and right, Ramon yeah. Foster, and that just chaps people's ass to hear Richie Incognito. But it is what it is. No, those those um, are those are the two two of the guys I voted for in the Pro Bowl today, which I was going to ask you, you to. Then I'll put it this way: for that, you got my seal of approval, and I really like offensive line play. I yeah. I catch myself to this day still pounding, studying it, and just like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Look at the skill position players. You're going to play fantasy football. You're going to gamble. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of LaShawn McCoy's success that he's having is direct, you know, uh, because of uh, Richie Incognito and Cordy Glenn. Yep. Eric yeah. Wood, who's now out, but... Yeah, okay, well, we're going to get back to this when we go around the league. Remind me to ask you about offensive lines around the league. We'll talk about them again. But but uh, Greek Steel is on the, on the line with us, and this is kind of like a home game for him, uh, being that he's in Markham, Ontario. Markham, I hardly knew him. Greek, how's it going? How's it going, boys? I actually Where, know a pro hockey player from Markham, Ontario. Is, it, is his yeah, name Greek yeah. Steel? Steven Stamkos. Ah, it's, I wish it was Steven Stamkos, but no, it's... Yeah. A little less, a little less popular of a lad than yeah. Steven Stamkos. <laughs> <laughs> Which one, Phil Kessel? No. 
Not NHL. He played um, professional uh, hockey, but in the minor league level. Uh-huh. Kyle Watson was his name, if we were going to be specific. And I think he holds a professional hockey record that he ran 11 goalies in one season. 11 separate goalies. <laughs> he also so had he 31 has, fighting majors. He was the front, of, a, front of the net presence, they call that. Yes, right? he was a more than a, in front of the net presence. He got to the front of the net one way or the other. He was an into-the-net presence, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so, Greek, are you going to head down to the game in Buffalo? I'm, uh, maybe, actually. It's going to be a I'm cold. I'm thinking about getting, you know, Mike Tomlin fucking uh, big head or whatever those things are calling. <laughs> fat head. No worries. No yeah, worries. fat head. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I, don't hate him. I don't hate him as much as I might come off, but I just hate some of Oh, I understand. Cross me, I understand. No, no, here's sir. FC. Let me explain to you. Greek's a gamer. He hates losing. It's just that, losing. I love it. I, the coach. I never give him shit because he at least comes back and says, you know what? He sucks, but <laughs> he sucks his hours. And I don't know if we're going to be able to do much fucking better. So, yeah, like, hey. This coming from, you know, on the show where the, the two people on the show hated the previous coach who was pretty successful too. So, Fuck you know. tower. F. <laughs> See, you know what I mean? So, yes. Anyhow, so, Greek, what's your uh, what's your take? How'd you like the, the victory against the Giants? They uh, they look good. Defense looked good. Um, Giants offense been struggling, though, pretty much all year, so I'm not sure how good that defense is still. Yeah. They've they're... done a good job of protecting and keeping Eli upright. The thing that I like is we continue to rush the passer. Well, James Harrison looks like he's yeah, that's the thing, James Harrison. 25 years old right now. If he wants to play another year next year, he says, you know what, guys, I want to play another year. Do you offer him a contract? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'd be like, James, what do you want? 100%. Money. 100%. Exactly. What do you want? He'd I probably think would that, say, well, I'm good with vet minimum. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think before the season starts next year that they almost have to add three guys. They have to add – you know whether it's a a free agent signing plus a couple of draft picks or a, or a or you know early draft pick middle draft pick late guy or or undrafted guy they they have some real problems they have problems at the top of their depth chart as an, an edge rushers and they have a problem in the depth of their depth chart so no matter what they do they could use some guys and and if you don't bring James Harrison back it's it's basically an utter disaster so pass rusher and a number two wide receiver that doesn't smoke weed. Yes, I, w- I wish you could. I wish there was something you could do with Martavis Bryant that, you know, like the equivalent of an ankle bracelet, except for that wouldn't allow him to take any illicit substances. You know, because then I'd be like, you know, you're you're fine. You just have to, you know, spend if it costs you a million dollars a year to supervise the guy, it's worth it. But you know, who knows what will happen with that? He might not. He may never play again, or he may be, you know, a, a superstar. Carter may never fuck up again. True. Do you, guys, do you guys watch that the uh, watch that game during the Giants and think like our offense seems very defendable? It's it's pretty much Ben make a play for us. That's that's how I see it, but maybe I'm sure. wrong. It, it's, it, it, and and that's not a a dishonest or I mean it seems like the Steelers should uh, be fairly easy to defend. I don't disagree with that. I think that teams have some fear that the Steelers have more to show them than they've shown. I mean, 
Baltimore came out with a ton. Baltimore and Philadelphia are the two issue games I really have for the Steelers. I understand Ben and the injury and stuff. But I don't like to be basically steamrolled. And that, and they showed that you could steamroll the Steelers if you can limit A.B. at the line of scrimmage and they don't have anything else to attack over the top. And that's why I said Eli Rogers because of the vertical speed and stuff like yep. that. They got pressure on the Steelers with four guys and we're basically fucked. Right. And, and, the, and the thing is, is we really haven't been seeing – our offensive line has played well, where they're forcing teams to bring five or six. And if if teams continue to bring five or six, you're going to see more out of the Sears passing game, I have a feeling. They've been setting up a wheel route, vertical wheel route to Le'Veon Bell all year. And, I mean, you're probably not going to see it this week, but you may see it against Baltimore or something like that, where the Steelers seem to build off splash plays. If they get one and then they get the second one, Generally, it's on. The, the Sewers offense is going to give you 400 yards. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's whenever they bog down early, they continue to bog down, and then it's done. Well, I mean, see, I would, I'd break, I, I see those two losses pretty differently. Greek, I think the Philly game was more true of, of what you're saying about rush four guys and, and get to the passer, and, you're, we're, and we're done. They took away Ben's escape route from the pocket because the middle of the pocket got pushed and the edge guys are good enough to create pressure to make force Ben to step up into the middle guys. So when he's got no escape route, um, then that means every, you know, the defense knows they got, they can sit on stuff uh, underneath and, you know, just snowballs from there. Right. The Baltimore game was a little different. We tried to run the ball against a team that's legendarily good stopping the run. And we, and we beat our heads against the wall doing that against that team. We were comfortable. Well, I think, you know, I think there's a reason for it. We feel like you have to slow down their pass rush or they'll kill us. And therefore, we try to run the football to to slow down their pass rush. But, you know, I don't agree with the strategy. I don't think it's necessarily because they were trying to be super conservative or that they were trying to be comfortable. You know, I, I think it was really more like there was a, there was a reason behind the plan. I just didn't like the plan. I, I feel yeah. like that's a team where, you know, you go, you slow down their pass rush with play action early in the game. You get, you, you make a couple of positive plays in the passing game and then give yourself a chance to be balanced and keep them guessing. But if you, if you just try to run into that Baltimore line a couple of times on the first couple of series of the game, or in that case, the first 10 series of the, the game. Baltimore line, trying to run into Brandon fucking Williams. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's I'm, like, six, I'm six foot tall and I'm six foot wide and I can somehow move, you know? Yeah, just not a not a good matchup for trying to do that. So I, you know, no matter who you have at the number two wide receiver, if if you don't, I mean, I feel like that's the one thing, the difference between where our offense is now and with the present players, without Martavis Bryant, the difference between where they are now and being really great is how we use that talent early in the game so often dictates what the, the feel of the entire game is for the offense because this this team is so emotional and so built on uh momentum you know they're not a they don't have a lot of momentum breaking uh into the game plan you know it's not like it's not like the coaches are and in this case i mean the coordinators but on both sides of the football you know you got to create a little bit of that momentum for your team by giving them a chance to be aggressive and giving them a chance to uh succeed early in the game 
I feel like the defense for years, our plan was to sit back early in the game and wait and see what the other team was going to do. Uh, sort of a more passive approach. And then because it's a little safer, maybe. And on offense, you know, to try to run the football early to try to uh, be balanced or whatever the reasons for that are. And I feel like this particular group of players respond so much better when they do the opposite. Um, you can you can blame that on the head coach if you want. I just feel like that's an organizational characteristic for decades that precedes all of the coordinators and players and coaches uh, and everything else that they have. It just seems to be something, you know, that's an organizational mindset about this for that's in the DNA. Yeah, that's true. Long rant. I um, agree with that, if you can believe with that. Yeah, true. I agree. <laughs> next thing, Chris. Next thing, Greek Steel. We're, you called us. So any other concerns, questions, things you would like to talk about, sir? Uh, nope. Just listening in. Good conversation. You guys are uh, doing a great job as usual. I'm sorry you, I went off. Sorry I went off of the no, line. No, no. How about this? I'm going to add a little something to what you said. The momentum thing. That comes with confidence. And if you look at the 2005-2008 championship teams from the Steelers, Heinz Ward was a very confident individual, and he knew how to create momentum. Big block, unbelievable catch, stuff like that. But it went beyond that. Antoine Randall-L was probably, I've heard this from so many people, the greatest teammate I've ever had. Greatest teammate i ever had. Wow, Antoine Randall-L, what a great guy. That type of, you know, and he would go get his, freaking brains knocked out it's the same thing with Heinz Ward going across the middle to make a play and I, I guess the more confident you get the more playmaking ability you get I, I don't know nothing about it I put my hand on the ground and I got the shit kicked down there I kicked the shit out of somebody you know I I, I I understand it but I really can't put myself in that mindset and that's what I attempt to do I mean it's just human nature and I know whenever you just – things bring a team together. And I think the Steelers, the best thing that Todd Haley could do at times is just believe in his guys and let them know that he believes in them. And I thought the Baltimore game plan was Ben just coming off injury and, you know, Ben danged and, you know, teams had success running the ball at Baltimore earlier. Not, and when I say success, they, they were able to, you know – keep possessions alive. But when you look more inside the numbers, those teams were throwing teams were throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, and then mixing the run, which you said. Um, I think that the best thing that Todd Haley could do at this point is go to Tomlin and say, you know what, we got to believe in these kids. We gotta believe in the guys and we gotta let them make plays. I think Jesse James has a lot more to give in the passing game that he I understand he dropped the ball. Guys drop balls. But I think he can make plays. Can he make the plays that Ladarius Green makes? Yeah, I, I think he can make some of this plays. By the way, he he might drop balls, but have his balls dropped. That's really a question we're here to answer. They have. He he sticks his nose in there and he tries. He's never going to be great at certain things just because of his body type and the way he's built. But that's a weakness in certain aspects, like on certain blocks. He just is too long and lanky to make them. But that that weakness at pass blocking is an extreme strength in the passing game. Sure. You know, there's no reason that at times when we're at the 40-yard line and we go to our big formation that we don't, like, put him on the end of the line and let him try an inside linebacker, an outside linebacker, strong safety vertically down the field. He's six foot seven. He can jump. 
He's actually athletic. He's put on the weight and kept a good bit of his athleticism and body control. You know, most likely that linebacker is going to have to interfere with him or Jesse James is going to make a play on the ball or he's going to drop it. Even if he drops it, teams are going to, don't want to get beat over the top for 35 or 40 yards. They're yeah. going to, hey, he was open. we got to do something. And that well, adjustment, maybe that pulls that safety out of the box, and maybe that five-yard Le'Veon Bell run turns into 25 yards. Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, this is an, you start talking about the Steelers not showing teams everything that they can do to this point, and the teams that still fear that there's some stuff coming that they if they overplay their hand that they could see. I do think that middle of the field, you know, we, we, we basically went several weeks of the season without working it at all. And uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, introducing Green in there opened up opportunities for Jesse James. It opened up opportunities for Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers. So I kind of feel like, you know, if they were – if somehow they're able to get the vertical game back on track, that, you know, they're, they're almost – it's almost there. Feels like it's almost there. That's just the element, that, you know. That to get Sammy Coates back to at least to where he was early in the season, it would make a big difference. It'd make a big difference because then it's like you can't really defend everything. You know. I don't know if we're ever going to have the home run element like that on this year's team because I just don't see the vertical playmaker. I would love to see. Eli Rogers on some takeoff routes. They, he, he he runs to shorten in, in the intermediate. I understand he's small, but if he gets a step, I don't really see him getting chased down very often. And you know, there's there's times where you see him running after Antonio Brown or or someone makes a play. And you asked me about the the kid from the Chiefs. The kid from the Chiefs has the great Hill Tyreek Hill has the greatest explosion I've ever seen on the football field. I've seen Deion Sanders. I've seen clips of, you know, Bob Hayes. I've never seen someone eat up 15 yards as fast as Tyreek Hill from the Jets does. I'm not saying Eli Rogers has that type of top-end speed or quickness right off the get-go, but he's pretty damn sudden. I mean, he's real sudden. Dwight Stone's sudden. Yeah. Which is horrible to say for any of those (laughs) old, old old-school Steeler fans. And I mean, like late eighties. <laughs> that, that that speed speed scares NFL NFL teams more, defense coordinators more than anything. Sure. Speed and size. If you Randy Moss, Martavius Bryant. Well, that's the know. thing. Exactly. That's the thing we're missing. Like the only guy we, you know, we have basically Darius Haywood Bay and Sammy Coates filling this role on this team, and you know, neither of them's a hundred percent healthy. Neither, but neither of them is a hundred percent emotionally healthy from the standpoint of confidence catching the football. But as you, as you often say, sometimes you don't even need to make the play. You just need to threaten it a couple of times. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that, that, that's the role that both can fill. And apparently Darius Haywood Bay, they still think he's going to come back. So I mean, I, I wouldn't I'd come be, out. Yeah. I'd be surprised. The if I wouldn't come out is how many teams have, I mean, he's a, he's a wide receiver that can't catch the football. That's going into his 11th or 12th year in the NFL. He's doing something right. Yep. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, do you guys know is uh, D. Will back this week? He was practicing, I, he, but I don't know if that yeah. means he's, he's going to play or not. I would, I would really, I hope he is, because I hate to say this. Every time I hear the name Fitzgerald Toussaint, <laughs> my heart begins to pound. 
I think about the funky meters, but but you know, <laughs> it, does, it does actually make me wonder. Yeah, I mean, I think it. Uh, you know, you just can't feel. I, I don't. I feel. So, I feel bad for Toussaint. So I do think once in a while, you know, he's he's made a couple of plays and so on and so forth. But it's hard not to hard not to feel. 2016 has been very good. I think right now he's a pretty he's a pretty big ad for this offense. Throw him in the backfield. Use Bell more as a wide receiver. I would like yeah. to see split backs. Not even put him out as a wide receiver and see what teams want to do with a with the classic three wide receiver, two running back look. The old San Francisco Giants before they went truly West Coast because both guys are very good in the passing game and you're going to have to assign a linebacker to them. If you want to blitz, you take your chances. I like There's it. options. There's talent. There's just not talent where we really want it. You know, if we want Martavius Bryant back, if we have Martavius Bryant back, every Steeler fan would at this point be walking around with their chest out and their head hung very high, you know, but we're waiting for the next shoe to drop, which is unfortunate. We all know it. Everybody is. Every Steeler fan is just – you just can't have not bought into this team yet. The um, – <laughs> I'm just surprised they haven't found another wide receiver out of nowhere because they seem to come up with one every few weeks. <laughs> this team. I was looking for the kid that used to play for the Colts um, that you liked um, from Tennessee, like Chattanooga. Derek Rogers, Rogers, right? Rogers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rogers would have been a – an ad for sure. You never know with guys like that. Uh, you never do. And by the way, speaking of another, Kobe, Kobe man, Hamilton could have six <laughs> catches for 222 yards and three touchdowns this week, and we got our vertical threat. <laughs> you know, it's, has, it's has Eli Rogers? Up. I should look this up. I guess has Eli Rogers had a hundred yard game? I don't. I don't think he has. Right. I think he pushed it once. Uh, yeah, he has. He did have Very one one hundred yard. So that means that the Steelers this year. Had uh, Rogers, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon uh, Bell, Le'Veon Bell, Kobe Hamilton, Sammy Coates, all with hundred-yard games, and I, w- I would be surprised if Jerry Hayward Bay wasn't close once. I mean, it, they, you think about it; you know, it's hard to complain too much about what they have. But mm-hmm. they, those guys all have one thing in common: Ben, Ben Roethlisberger threw him the football. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Ladarius Green forgot to add him in there. Yeah. And so it's a apparently, you know, if he, he's kind of like if you give Ben anything to work with, I feel like he feels he feels his chances are pretty good. But you know, uh, hard to say. Anyway, all right, uh, Greek, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put you back in a listening mode unless you got anything else. Nope, thanks, boys. Uh, I was gonna ask you Have to a take a weekend. I was coughing a second ago, but take it easy, Greek. Thanks for calling. Uh, so let's uh, FC. Let's move on to our uh, around the league segment. Brought to you by. Dean Blandino, Matt Carpenter's wife. Um, it would be a good one. But it, the the late great Buddy Ryan, since we've been talking so much about defense. And I'll throw out a special one. Let's go with 1996 the Heisman Trophy winner, late great Rashawn Salam. Rest in peace, sir. Yeah, that guy apparently was, was uh, you know, uh, plagued by some depression issues late in his life. And it's just, it's sad because. You know, I think a lot of times you get people get mired in that, and they don't tell anybody, ask around, try to get help. Uh, it's really a shame. I I, I didn't know 20, him well. He was my twenty-two, and he just got losses. 
it's something that I take serious. I mean, I, you know, uh, I've tried to stop telling people to kill themselves and shit like that just because, you know, it's, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible mental health is you don't show really symptoms until it's too late. So. Yeah, that makes it hard. I, I did not know him well, but he was my neighbor. Uh, he lived downstairs for me uh, for a little while. But he, the, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's got to be a tough thing you know, to go from just absolutely the top of the world. Uh, and even his first year in the NFL, he was he had, he had a thousand-yard season, you know, was off to a great start in his career. It just goes to show you how fragile the whole thing can be uh, in terms of, not only your career, but how your career is tied to how you feel about yourself and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, but yes, great person to put in there. Um, on that note, um, Pro Bowl voting is just about uh, done. And it's, of course, you know, mostly meaningless. Uh, right. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. That is, who who is going to get a lot of postseason accolades, either Pro Bowl or All-Pro, that uh, doesn't deserve it as much? And who... Who is going to not get left out of that conversation? Who deserves it? We already talked about Ramon Foster and Marcus Gilbert. Uh, who are the people that you that you think fit those two categories? I'm going to probably get myself in a little bit of trouble here. Um, how great would Dak Prescott be without Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line? I like Dak Prescott. And I see people thrown out that he's the next Ben Roethlisberger. I've seen thrown out he's the next Donovan McNabb and 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 whatnot. Um, that's one person that I I want a little bit more of a resume before I call him elite. And I consider Pro Bowl players elite. Um, Alex Smith from Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people feel deserves to make the Pro Bowl ahead of Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco. I hate Joe Flacco. Um, he throws a ton of interceptions, but, you know, um, he wins some games. I think he's a little bit um, – offensive line, this is this is real, real simple for me. Um, Richie Incognito would, would head up the category. I think Mike Pouncey and Marquise Pouncey are very overrated. Um, nothing against Marquise Pouncey. I think he's he, he is what he is. Um, defensive – a line. There's a kid from Detroit whose name escapes me. Got ten or eleven sacks this year. Opposite Zionsa, very good player. Uh, came out of nowhere. Yeah, but in Detroit. Yes. Uh, I've forgotten who it is now. I'll, I'll look it up though. While you keep going. <laughs> That's horrible. I don't remember his name. Considering I'm, I'm saying that I think he should get some, you know, Pro Bowl, you know, accolades. Um. I'm thinking, but, 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 but there's someone that I'm that I'm forgetting that I thought, oh, um, this is funny that I'm even going to mention him because he plays for one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, he, guard from San Francisco Giants. From Stanford, I couldn't believe it. It's not Fleming, but very good off. I mean, Sorry, I'm trying to help you out, but I'm I'm running I'm behind. Uh, right. Hold on. <laughs> I can only type so fast. We have no producer. On the, what is the problem with the producer on the show? Damn it. Exactly. Um, the the pass rusher for Detroit. Uh, you would be talking about. Um, boy, uh, good question. 
DeAndre Levy. Nope. Uh, not to hear Whitehead. He's a middle linebacker. Uh, Josh, Josh Bynes, Thurston Armbruster, Brandon Copeland, Harry Hyder, Anthony Zettel from Penn State, uh, Stephen Charles. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm losing my mind and I got the wrong with the wrong team, but I'm 99% sure. If you give me a second, I'll think of it. Anybody that you thought that is being overlooked or uh, overrated or underrated? Uh, Overrated, underrated. Uh, I kind of tend to think that uh, Matt Ryan is going to go to, uh, you know, maybe even the All-Pro honors this year. There's talk about him in the MVP conversation and so on. And What's that? Detroit Lions, Kerry Hyder. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought I said his name, but maybe I didn't. But Kerry okay. Hyder, yeah. Not a player that I'm familiar with. I'm sorry. I would have helped you out. But, that's, that's awesome. Um, but I, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel uh, you really have to look at a guy's stats when they play a lot of games in domes. Um, and, I, you know, no, I know they've made kind of a turnaround there, at least earlier in the season. But I'm not sure I think Matt Ryan in this current era is, the, you know, one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and I'm not even sure he's a top 10 quarterback for me. I guess he's a top 10, but I wouldn't make him a top five. And I know he'll get a lot of honors. Um, and I, I sure hope David Johnson gets uh, an invitation, but I, I feel like he might be able to get lost in the shuffle a little bit too. He's had a great season. Um, the guard that you're talking about for, you say for the 49ers? Yes, sir. sir. Josh Garnett. There he is. There he is. Uh, from Stanford, yeah, their first round pick this year. Uh, Good player. He's a lot better of a player than I thought he was going to be. How about that? <laughs> uh, I'd just like to point out something in, in regards to your conversation about Dak Prescott. In 2004, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, as as you know, we all know, won uh, 13 straight games. His first team, first 13 starts, uh, or even 14, I think he won the playoffs, right? And then. Uh, he had nine games with a passer rating over a hundred. Uh, he was named the 2004 rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Do you know what he didn't get honored with that year? Not only did he not, was he not all pro or in the consideration for the MVP? He didn't even go to the pro bowl in 2004. His first pro bowl appearance didn't come until 2007. Uh, after he'd already, you know, had that season and then, uh, won the Super Bowl the next year. So, uh, it's, I, while I agree that Dak Prescott deserves the accolades he's getting, he's had a wonderful season. Um, just to put it in perspective, uh, some people get the attention more easily than others do. That's all I want to say about that. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this this the whole thing about honors. Like, I know what people are going to say on our board, and that is, it you know, be who cares about the honors and the the accolades and so on, statistics and so on. It really you know, winning games is really what it's all about. So I will see at the end of the year who won the, who won the game that counts uh, the most. <laughs> right. So uh, right. anyway, um, how many, how many people off that new England or new England Patriots teams? The, well, I'll give you 15 years other than Tom Brady is going to make the Hall of Fame. Gronkowski? Uh, I think, eh, I think maybe well, Gronkowski might be done forever. If he's done forever, I, I don't know think he makes it. Um, I think actually uh, McGinnis is going to be close. He'll be like a 
tough call, probably because of the championships, he'll have a better look. Uh, I actually think Darius Butler might be the best guy they've had since Ty Law. Do you think Ty Law is a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. So there's another one. And uh, and Rodney Harrison, probably. So I don't think Rodney Harrison makes it. I think Ty Law does. I think Willie McGinnis is close. I think he should make it based upon what he did in the playoffs. And he does have a good career numbers. Yeah. Well, Other than that... Well, Randy no Moss. Real... Randy Moss is... Yeah, but I think Randy Moss is a Minnesota Viking. Sure. What What about Welker? No. Yeah, I think Welker's in the hall of very, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm... I, I, that's what I'm, my, my, I'm not trying to... You know, Teddy Bruschi, great player. I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree. No, I think... Blair Malloy. I mean, he's at the very beginning of it, but... He obviously isn't going to probably make it. I mean, if you really look at what they have on the offensive side of the ball, talent-wise, what that makes what they do all the, all the more amazing, you know. Um, what you get with an ultra-smart, ultra-accurate quarterback. Yeah. Well, the whole team is like a, you know, they they have like a, a all-star. Uh, they would they would win the academic All-American awards in the NFL if they had such a thing. You know, if they voted for the smartest player at each position, I think the Patriots would have about 15 guys on the roster. So, yeah, definitely is part of their part of their theme that works. I mean, that might have more to do with their success than anything the coaches do. You know what I mean? It's like you get really, really smart guys, and you have really, really good analytics. Uh, you know, you probably that probably buys them a couple of extra wins a year. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, big games this week. For anybody week. that hates different or hates New England and stuff, Patricia's going to get a head coaching job somewhere. If you got the time, 10, 15 minutes, go read his backstory. Matt Patricia, defense coordinator for the New England Patriots. It'll blow your mind. It, it will literally blow your mind. I mean, it's it, it's it's a story that you're just like, wow. I'll put it this way: he had a job offer making almost a half a million dollars. He turned it down. Make five thousand dollars a year being in a of like basically a volunteer assistant coach at Elyon College. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Matt Patricia. He 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 went to RPI, which is Rochester Polytechnical Institute. He's crazy smart. You know, that's like the Mike McCarthy story. He, uh, you know, he uh, took a no pay job at Pitt and worked a full-time job in addition to his his pit job uh, right he was, a, he was an assistant to john gruden when john gruden was receivers coach at pit you're 100 yeah. percent right yeah that's like a crazy i mean to, to, to things that those guys go through like uh you know bob mcadoo is a similar story with mike mccarthy um or ben Mac is it ben or bob ben ben mcadoo bob mcadoo is the nba player played for the lakers great jump shot um ben mcadoo the new york giants head coach actually was from Western Pennsylvania, he was basically did the same thing with McCarthy in Green Bay, and that's how he got his opportunity. Yeah. Hey, by the way, just a couple of updates. We had questions about the who's practicing and about D'Angelo Williams and so on. But before we get to that, I'm just going through the Twitter feed. Rex Ryan says, "Quote: It was a mistake by me to try and sneak Ross Cockrell through to the practice squad." Um, he said that was their plan. Their their plan, and it backfired, and he's pissed at himself now. <laughs> Because <laughs> they could probably. I'd rather Rick Dryan tell us the health and status of Cordy Glenn. Because if he don't play, oh boy. 
Tyrod Taylor better have on extra armor and stuff because Cyrus Condro at left tackle is not a pretty sight. Yeah, most most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. Um, okay, so uh, big games this week before we move on to uh, the biggest game. Um, tonight uh, at Kansas City, the fans, I heard, started lining up today 4.45 a.m. I'm backed. They, the <laughs> city of Kansas City changed their tailgating law for like a day or two where they allowed them to begin tailgating. It's it's going to be interesting. Let's just put it that way. Well, let me just tell you, at four at 4.45 a.m., it was something like 17 degrees out. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like this is that's for real fandom, man. I you know like for all oh, the criticism you know, have in Kansas City, are the exact same way. If you had great tickets and you didn't have nothing to do like tomorrow or like today, if you were just taking like today and Friday and Saturday off, and you were getting together with a couple of your buddies, you know that you would have like figured out a way to be there in seventeen degree weather and getting hammered and getting ready for the Steelers if it was the sure. Steelers. So, yeah. Well, I, I think it's a really, I think it's a really intriguing game. Um, I, you know, I, I feel, you know, being that it doesn't have a Steelers in it, uh, and it's a Thursday night game, neither of which, you know, are really that appealing to me. But the thing is, uh, you know, Kansas City played a lot of the year without some good players who are now Justin Houston, just like he's just now starting to get into form. Uh, and even though they have this, you know, sort of black hole at quarterback. Um, the guy who who survived his whole career by not turning the football over has turned it over a lot the last couple of weeks. Um, o- Oakland, uh, he's a sort of a mystery team, or one of those teams you like. I know you and I are sort of on the same page with them. You know, I don't I don't want to go as far as saying they're a fraud, but they have they have had some real ups and downs this year. They're living and dying with, uh, you know, not only their passing game but the DPI ball and the, you know, all kinds of other stuff that I don't know how well that translates to a hostile environment like Kansas City. What, what do you think about this game? I think that this might be one of the most violent games, NFL games of the year, and I'm going to explain why. Don Terry Poe is a big, lovable, fun-time guy until you start doing some dirty shit. And then he has absolutely no problems turning from teddy bear to grizzly bear. And Gabe Jackson from the Oakland Raiders starts to guard, plays in center at times. Ronnie Hudson is mostly their center. Is one, only one of the dirtiest, meanest players that I've seen. He's one of the best. He would be my starting right guard for the AFC Pro Bowl team. Gabe Jackson from Mississippi State. And I have a feeling that him and Darn Terry Poe are going to go to war. Um, Kansas City is a very difficult place to play. I've heard people, I've talked, I've actually had people tell me that Pittsburgh is a joke compared to playing in Kansas City, even at the new Arrowhead. And the reason being is you have the horrible weather, you have the horrible fans, but those fans are close to the sidelines, closer than a lot of NFL teams, and they are pretty much all nasty. They love their Chiefs and they hate the Raiders. The Raiders and Chiefs used to be just an unbelievable this hatred between the two teams whenever I was coming up in the 80s, early 80s, and to the early 90s. I mean, just 
Marcus Allen leaving the Raiders to go to Kansas City, Al Davis's comments. I think this is going to be a nasty game. I think it's – Kansas City has such a – this. it seems like a four-leaf clover rabbit's foot in their pocket <laughs> at times where they're like, how the fuck? I watched that Kansas City-Atlanta game because it was my local game. I figured I'll just roll into watching the Steelers right after it. And I was shocked that Kansas City won. Now, don't get me wrong. I will cheer for Atlanta most times. I could not help but cheer for certain players from Kansas City. You know, you got a guy that beat cancer. Not only beat Hodgkins, but, you know, just had so much going on with his mom also having cancer while he had cancer and Eric Berry. And, you know, I like Justin Houston. He went to the University of Georgia. He's a semi-local kid from, like, this area. Really good in the community. But I was shocked that they won. Um, <laughs> I have no idea how they're going to get offense. Jeremy Macklin may be back. He may not be back. We've already talked about Tyree Kill. Um, he's not the biggest guy, and there's character issues. Travis Kelsey's very good. But Oakland makes plays defensively. You know, and Cleo Mack's pretty damn good. I think it will be an entertaining game. I think the weather is going to be a driving force. And we're going to get to find out all about some Derek Carr and Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper because what history has shown so far in the NFL, they don't perform very well in the cold. And that's horrible to say. Michael Crabtree's from Texas. Amari Cooper's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And Derek Carr's from Fresno, California. And I hate to say this, and I'm not picking on people, people in the South and the people on the West Coast, like Southern West, don't like the cold. They struggle in it. They, you know, melt in it sometimes. So haven't played. They actually haven't played very many games um, in the cold weather. Um, this year, uh, last year, <laughs> I actually I play fantasy football religiously. I've been DraftKings and Drafter for a long time. So. Like I follow some of I follow a lot of this BS now, and they had like Derek Carr's quarterback rating. Whenever the temperatures below sixty degrees, something like fifteen points lower. Now I understand the level of competition in those games. You know that might be you're playing the LA Rams versus playing the New England Patriots in New England. Right, right. I can understand. But he's had, now. But, but he's had two. You're right though. He's had two horrible games. That's basically his entire career. The only time he played under forty degrees, so only only had two of those, and he was very bad in both. And right, and uh, got sacked a lot, and made some, you know, uh, unlike his play in a, on other occasions. And the day, if you remember the day in Pittsburgh, even though it was late in the year, it was a really nice weather day, unusually nice weather day when they put up, uh, you know, thirty-one against the Steelers last year. So yeah, if you ask me who I think is going to win Kansas City, Oakland, huh? I put my money on the Chiefs. I know that sounds a little bit nuts. I know. I think uh, you have to because they're at home and it's a short week. And also, uh, you know, Derek Derek Carr is a, a you know he's got that broken finger. He can't even take snaps right now. I would say that it's the little things in a game like this where it's going to be a rivalry game that you know turned up to eleven. I, I've, you know, I'll take the home team. That's about all I can say. That I'll take the fans of Kansas. Reggie McKenzie, a lot of people feel should be the executive of the year, and I think he's done a great job in Oakland. I think it's criminal that he never went out and got a back outside of Latavius Murray. Because don't get me wrong, I like Latavius Murray, but he got some some softness to him. And I think that like they could have went and found traded for another back, 
you know, at the trade deadline or something like that. I think I think that the, the the reason the Oakland Raiders are a little bit of a fraud is because they lack an identity. I don't trust Carr, and you know, regardless, unless Oakland's the one seed, you're going to have to play a, probably play at least one playoff game in the cold, you know, yep. in the nasty yep. weather. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think Oakland wins their division, and I think it tonight. Just, not not, the, 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 I think it starts tonight. Just not because they're not. That's funny. Probably the probably the guy that I talk to most about football with absolutely agrees with you. You wait. You talk. Uh, hang on. You talked with someone about football more than me. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh, how about this? You might not make my top. Are you, I don't know. Are you, you are you aware? That. Are you aware that we spend more than an hour a week together? For like hour and a half <laughs> minimum now, which doesn't bother me in the least. Are you aware that I really, really talk a lot of football? <laughs> yeah, there are there are twenty three other twenty two and a half other hours. Half per day. Other hours, yeah. Six yeah, other right. days, yeah. All right. Um. So, um, Denver at Tennessee this is a little bit of a tricky game, uh, sure. because, uh, shockingly, uh, which which quarterback would you say uh, has a better touchdown to interception ratio, Marcus Mariota or Ben Roethlisberger? Wow. See, I know that Marcus Mariota just doesn't turn over the football. Um, wow. I bet you they're real close, but I'll put my money. I'm going to guess Mariota because I know he just doesn't turn the ball over. <laughs> it's a trick question. I think they have the same. Okay, uh, there you go. Well, yeah. Mariota has 25 uh, touchdowns and eight interceptions. If oh. It's been a 25 or 27, I forget. Uh, okay. I didn't even Maybe. think he had that many interceptions. Yeah, he just threw number seven this week. Uh, By the way, it is. I don't think he's thrown a red zone interception in his career yet. Marcus Mariota. No, that can't be great because Dak Prescott just set the NFL record for yep. most pass attempts without one. I know that Mariota doesn't turn the ball over, and I know that Denver is a completely different team on the road. Yep. I mean, the only thing I can say is if – if uh, I mean, literally, the – you know, the, the, if, if uh, what's his name starts for them, uh, that it's, you know, he's playing in his old stomping Paxton. ground, sort of. It's the only thing, Paxton right. Lynch is the only thing I can kind of come up with for them. But, you know, there's, there's a difference. If the game were playing Memphis versus uh, Nashville, I'd feel a little differently about that. But I would, I would say that uh, Tennessee, uh, you know, at home has been a pretty good team. And they're, you know, they're a run, a team that can run the football, which is Denver's weakness right now. Right. Uh, I'm I'm inclined to take Tennessee in this game. I I, I fear I Denver. I fear Denver may not have a you know they may not be favored in any game they play the rest of the season. Probably shouldn't so, be. I don't think they should be favored this week. I mean, they're, um, they're not. Tennessee's a one point favorite. And if, if you ask me, I could take one player back from the Denver team from last year and put it on this year's team. People would be probably think I would say Peyton Manning, Malik Jackson. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, because he should—he almost wrecked uh, wrecked them last week, you know. Yeah. Well, he was in at, Jacksonville. Yeah, he had he had grudge match game for sure. Um, Cleveland, Cincinnati, uh, RG three. I mentioned this because RG three is going to play quarterback, and right. the Browns are a five and a half point dog. If I'm if I'm yep. betting points this week, I'm inclined to take Cleveland in the five and a half. I don't know if there's going to be thirteen points scored in the game. Um, so hard to win by bad. six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think it's going to be a, a mostly Cincinnati Bengals defense and and Jeremy Hill. 
running the football. Um, bad weather. Um, you know, neither team really has much to play for. Uh, it's going to be an ugly game. I think that Jeremy Hill probably has one of his better games as a pro for any of you fantasy football players out there. And uh, that's the way I would head. A couple more quickies uh, for you. Seattle, a three-point favorite at Green Bay. Yeah, I have to take Seattle. Green Bay's defense is just so decimated. Yeah, and I think this is a perfect kind of bad matchup for Green Bay, a team that can kind of control the tempo of the game um, and not worry so much about what Aaron Rodgers is going to do to them. Because Seattle's like, no matter how many, you know, even if you go ahead late in the game, we we get the ball back with with a minute and a half, we still feel like we can win. Um, so I think that's a just doesn't play into Green Green Bay's thing is they like to run people out of the house early, and it just right. doesn't, Seattle's going to fold like that. Um, and then uh, Dallas and the Giants is this a, is this the week the Dallas winning streak comes to an end? It, you know, it's a must win sort of for the Giants. It would, it is, and. I see. I just. I don't. I don't know how the Giants won as many games as they have after what the Steelers <laughs> did to them. But the funny thing is, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, and how much success they had, and the Steelers just beat the shit out of them. I'm going to lean towards Dallas because Lobster Claw is out with the groin injury. Yeah, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Dallas still has that offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott. I understand that Le'Veon Bell was the first 100-yard rusher that the Giants have allowed. I just – I don't trust Eli. And, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., superstar, elite physical talent, practice squad member whenever it comes to the mental game. Yeah, and I'm with you, uh, you know, 100% about this game. I don't think this is the week. However, I will say – one thing we haven't seen Dak Prescott do is is playing a bad weather game. Uh, it's be interesting, you know. They sort of a protected environment at home there, but I, I believe he's got a couple Northeast games left this season in December. It'll be interesting to see how he passes that test. So far, you know, can't complain too much, and especially with that running game and offensive line in front of him, he doesn't have to be that great to win games. Uh, and I agree with you, Jason Pierre-Paul, huge loss. Uh, in this game and for the Giants. The Giants are another team that might not win another game the rest of the season, just like Denver. Um, sure. So they're definitely in some some crazy shape. And then uh, New England, a seven-point favorite over Baltimore on Monday night. Uh, you know, I'll, Baltimore seems to have their number a little bit, uh, and they definitely have they the do. defense for this game. Do they have enough offense to uh, to win the game outright in New England? You just looked at this game on paper, you would just immediately say, all right, New England, no Gronkowski, you know. Uh, you want to talk about you, – you said it best. It, New England gets the maximum out of every person that has a hat. Those 44 guys that are dressed or 45 guys that are dressed, they're going to utilize Deion Lewis. They're going to utilize LeGarrette Blount, James White, Danny Amendola, you know, ha. Uh, the kid that they signed off the Bills, uh, Chris, can't remember his name. Another wide receiver, vertical threat, um, Martellius Bennett. I think New England wins this game, and I think they win this game handily, probably by 10 points. And I know that's that sounds funny. crazy. It's just Burt, 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 Joe Flacco, 
is going to do something at a critical time that costs this team the game. Yeah, I New England I, may be up by I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead first. New England may be only leading by three points and Joe Flacco could be leading the game, you know, game game drive, game finishing drive and Patrick Chung at 76 years old is going to pick him off and he's going <laughs> to use his walker and he's going to hobble his ass in the end zone and New England's going to win by 10. But I have uh, I agree with you on most of that. Um I I don't think LeGarrette Blunt's a factor in this game. The one thing that you can pretty much count on Baltimore to do is to plug up these, these middle runs and you know they, he doesn't seem like the right back to really defeat what they can do on defense. Lewis. Could be um, right, but I'm saying much more likely that so those other guys you mentioned, but I, I think it's a quiet week for Blunt. Um, even on you know short yardage, I, I think you'll see New England doing other stuff rather than trying to run up the middle. In fact, this might be the week that Tom Brady doesn't try any quarterback sneaks on fourth and short um, no, i wouldn't be brandon williams would not be the ideal nose guard to run a sneak at no. i'll tell you what if if new england runs a quarterback sneak on, on third and fourth third or fourth and short with tom brady and they succeed at it i i will i will sing the guy's praises because somehow he has the quarterback sneak thing nailed like nobody in the history of the game that might be the best thing the most outlier thing that tom brady does it's crazy he's very good at it i'll take the hefty lefty Okay, the, the one, <laughs> the, the one, the one way I think Baltimore could sneak a win in this game is special teams. Uh, I think as little here's a little hidden statistic for you. I, I what's that? I said injured Tom Brady. Oh yeah, that also you know, comes into play. Of course. Um, but the one hidden statistic I found out about New England recently is, um, they're they're. They at one point were leading. I'm not sure if they're still number one or in the top three in special teams penalties. Uh, and this is against a team who may not statistically be the number one special teams team, but they're always near the top in terms of they're what they do on special teams. Special teams coach, you better believe they better be good at them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just feel like that's a you know, that's a thing that can keep them in this game uh, more than they might deserve. Otherwise, you know, you play good defense and good special teams. Recently, their offense has, you know, been at least uh, passable. And as you said, then it comes down to who makes a late mistake. Most likely, that's Baltimore. Uh, you know, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. yeah. When you're playing, a, you're also playing a team. You're, you're playing a New England team where the quarterback has thrown one interception. You know, for the whole season. So, as yeah, a team, I believe they've thrown three. <laughs> you know what I mean, or two yeah. for the season. Yeah. And the the thing is, they need the game. New England is being pressed. It's but one thing if they had a four game lead for wild for uh, home field advantage, you know, maybe you know they they're don't come out with right the same now, aren't they? What's that? If right now they're a two seed. Now, if Kansas City beats Oakland like we think they're going to, then they'll be back yeah. to probably being a one seed. The number one, right? But I just I see New England taking care of business. I I want to believe. Uh, that Baltimore could beat New England just to think that someday Baltimore could go to New England in the playoffs and knock them off. But uh, I don't know about this week. Monday night, that's a tough. You give, you're giving New England an extra day to prepare, playing at home. You know, I don't know. They're without Gronkowski, and eventually that's going to catch them, but but uh, maybe not this week. All right, so – oh, go ahead. No, 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 I agree. I mean – You want to say Bert one more time, didn't you? Bert. Bert, 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 Bert. Bert. <laughs> hey, Bert. Um, let's, I, just, let's I can't move on. Joe Flacco. I really can't. <laughs> let's move on. 
I'm glad about that. Uh, let's move along to our five-star matchup because we're in it. That's your Pittsburgh Steelers going to Buffalo and playing a winter football game, which we which we claim that we all like. Uh, I don't know how much we're, you know, if, if we don't do well in this game, we might feel differently about winter football. But uh, what do you think about our Pittsburgh Steelers' chances in Buffalo this weekend? I think that we're three and zero since you've been going first. So I think that you should tell us what we're going to do, and then I'll go. Right on. I I, I spun this shit on you last week when we were two and zero with it, with you going first. I'm <laughs> I swear to God, I will sit here silently until you go first. Right on. All right, I'll go first. So uh, I, you know, I said that's a lot of what I'm thinking about this game uh, earlier. I, I, Buffalo is one of those teams that you can't quite figure out how they're scoring points because they don't really fit the typical NFL formula. But what they're doing works pretty well. And and I wouldn't be surprised if they give the Steelers a, a good game in this one. Um, I'm not sure the elements will really keep it down a lot. They just might they might keep the quick strike element down a little bit. And also Buffalo running the football as much as they do tends to uh, protect their defense a little bit. Only a little, but a little bit. Right. Uh, I'm not sure they can do that for a whole game against the Steelers. If the Steelers can make them one-dimensional either way, uh, then I I feel like they got a pretty good chance in this game. Also, there's one thing Ryan Shazier I can trust him to do. It's to not get fooled by misdirection as long as you tell him your job in this play is Tyrod Taylor. Wherever he goes, you go. Uh, and if they if they follow that strategy, I think they have the, uh, enough juice on defense uh, to keep Buffalo at least to you know an average performance and probably a below average performance. For me, an average performance in this game. If you look at both teams and you kind of compare them to similar teams that they played this year, this would be a close game. Steelers maybe like a, you know, 27 to 24 victor because Buffalo's defense late has been not so good uh, late in the games. But I, I think the Steelers may be their offense. I can see scoring around that number of points, but I maybe because of the weather, bring them down to 24 and maybe see the Bills as a 17-point team even though the Steelers have been very good at stopping touchdowns and turning them into field goals, Buffalo can run the football in the red zone, which I think the Steelers have not been as good at defending. So let's make it 24-17. Pittsburgh Steelers continue their winning streak. At this point, if they win by one, that's all that really matters in this game. And I'll turn it over to you, FC. What do you think? I was going to give two scores, but the last time I did that, the Steelers lost. So I'm going to take a guess that Cordy <laughs> Glenn gonna, is going to play. So we're just going to stick with that. I think the Steelers win 26-19. I think it's going to be pretty much an ugly game. Uh, When I mean ugly, uh, it's just Rex Ryan brings it against the Steelers. But somehow Ben seems, for the most part, to overcome and succeed. Uh, I do not expect... uh, Le'Veon Bell to go bonkers running the football. Um, I expect the series to be a little bit more aggressive with the passing game. Um, Bell will get his, don't get me wrong. I think that I wouldn't be shocked if he had more receiving yards and rushing yards this week, though, which might be off-putting to some people. Um, I think the Steelers are trying to build and show a little bit more of their offense. With Ladarius Green healthy, I think that opens up um, more area of the field and more playmaking for the other secondary targets. That would be Jesse James, who I would not be surprised if, had, if he had himself uh, maybe not from a touchdown aspect, but maybe his best game as a pro 
because I believe teams are going to really start to account for Ladarius Green. You're going to have to double AB, and you're going to have to have seven in the box to stop Le'Veon Bell. If those things are true, Eli Rogers, Jesse James, Kobe Hamilton, these guys need to take advantage of opportunities and the balls that are thrown to them. They may only have three or four catches for 40 or 50 yards, but if those catches lead you know, to moving the chains and keeping possession of the ball and allow us to grind out the Bills, I agree with you completely that the Bills run the football under Anthony Lynn to keep their defense off the field because this is not your typical Buffalo Bills defense. It's not filled with the playmakers that he had for the Jets and for Baltimore previously, or even with the Bills. He has good, smart players that play hard for him, and they stay true to the system, but they are not very talented. Or comparatively, there's not a Darrell Revis. There's not a Michael McCrary. There's not a Terrell Suggs. You know, there's not a Muhammad Wilkerson on this team. Um, There's good football players. I don't think those good football players can make enough plays to stop the Steelers' three or four great players, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the Antonio Browns, the Le'Veon Bells, the James Harrison. I can't believe I'm going to fucking say this, but the Ryan Chazier's and Lawrence Timmons, because <laughs> those two gentlemen have played their nuts off for the last four weeks. I agree Chazier's injured, but he's, you know, he's hurt. He's really recognizing the difference between being hurt and being injured, and that's a big thing in the National Football League. Studs play when they're hurt, you know. And play well. Right, and and he's played his heart out. Is there still warts to his game? Absolutely. But the effort's there, and, you know, I won't be shocked if special teams play no parts in this game. How about that? I think the win's going to be – I think that the, both teams are going to struggle to kick the football. I think both teams are going to struggle to pump the football. Um, throwing the football I don't think is going to be as big of a deal for either quarterback because Tyrod Taylor has an absolute rocket for an arm, but he's not very accurate. And Ben, this is his weather. This is Ben's use to this. You know, he can cut the ball through the wind. He can throw the ball with touch. So. Yep. I'll hey, take the Steelers way- 26-19. They've they've been practicing outside this week too, the uh, Steelers. So and it's you know similar weather. I, I so. think the Steelers should practice for the rest of the season outside. I'm sorry, I'm a prick. That's what they're going to probably be facing. Same so odds will get used to it. Yeah, do that. I'm just trying to think. Uh, other than the the Super Bowls, where this year? Camp, I believe. Yeah, so I, I I don't think there's anything. I don't think they have a real maybe Indianapolis. I guess if the, if the if the cards played out right, but even that I think is unlikely. Uh, landing spot so i don't i don't really know if there's any domes indoor games left for them uh no matter what happens the rest of this year so um so final final by the way i was just going to say you're talking about rex Rex ryan i think doesn't he feel at this point like you know ben is his nemesis i mean in in a way (laughs) they've had some games where they played they played really really well and the ben and brady just took the air out of the balloon in the last minute of the game you know, that's I remember Rex's when Zelotti Nada sprint? I don't know if it was Nada. I I want to say that was the hit, but it might not have been. Ben got injured against Baltimore, and they cut the Rex Ryan. He was uh, let me put it this way: uh, Belick was still their head coach. He was their defensive coordinator, 
and he was happier in a pig and shit, and he was laughing and <laughs> jumping around like he just got his dick sucked for the first time. And Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> was there, the split on the field, and he stumbled off. And I think that he's seen good old sexy Rexy all happy. And I think Ben took a little <laughs> mental note that if I ever get the chance to break this off in his ass, I'm going to do it. Yeah, this is what and Ben does. He's been doing it ever since. Ben's, Ben's, you know, it lies awake at night as before he falls asleep. And he has a little list. I think he's got a checklist that is exactly. <laughs> he's that <Ryan>. guy. <laughs> All One right, final I'm gonna get this Belichick prick. That's what, no. my final thought would be. Um, let's see. Uh, hopefully, um, CBS doesn't fuck me, and I get me able to watch the game on my TV and not the computer because I don't like being left scrambling and. Uh, during this holiday season, everybody just be safe and careful. Click it, you know, or you'll get a ticket. Don't drink and drive. I'm being serious with this. The holiday season, this is like like the worst time of the year for DUI accidents and for domestic violence. So, don't drink. And if you get mad at somebody, just like take a, just go outside, relax. And this, the holiday season sucks, but. Chances are it's over for everybody by the middle of January. That includes the good Greek Orthodox. And talking about that, I would thanks Greek Steel for calling. We, callers, please call. We we enjoy them. Call anytime. Exactly. Hey, uh, my my final thought for you is uh, Le'Veon Bell. If he has 166 yards from scrimmage this week, which he's been averaging 151.9 uh, in the games he's played this year. He would achieve uh, something, even a temporary milestone that I'm not sure anyone else ever has. I'm doubt- doubtful that anyone ever has, and that it's not, no one's even close to this. And that is Jim Brown's record for the most y- av- yards from scrimmage average for per game in a career. Um, if Le'Veon Bell gets 100, he's that close to catching Jim Brown in something that the next best guy down the list is like uh, you know Walter Payton or Barry Sanders or somebody. That's insane. Uh, granted, you know, maybe maybe Le'Veon Bell will have a, a good long career in the last few years of which he won't be as dynamic, and it'll bring that number down a little. But it's crazy what he's doing right now. It's if you you're in Jim Brown territory, you're in another level of right. running. Especially back. early in Jim Brown's, you know, early in Jim Brown's career too, because supposedly like last year and a half he actually slowed down a little bit, and his numbers are still that amazing. Yep. Yeah, incredible. So, all right, listen. Thanks to thanks to FC and Greek Steel for being part of the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Bradshaw to Ben. We're going to talk to you after yet another Pittsburgh Steelers big victory. Go get them, Steelers. Go Steelers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.